As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I think! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. Behold, the most expensive footballer of all time to not have a Wikipedia photo. Could Martin Tyler have uttered the first ever recorded variation of If Anything, He's Hit It Too Well? Can a penalty be lashed in? A Portuguese twist on the old six-pointer? Can the first five minutes of a game fly by? The you-know-exactly-what-you're-going-to-get-from-a-manager-x-team league table? Early O-laying, inappropriate Rolls-Royceing, and the great ITV EFL team name abbreviation abomination. Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Club. Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 184 of Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry and with me first of all is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? Very well, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Alongside you for the adjudication panel today is David Walker. How's things going? Very good. Excellent. Good to be back. Yeah, it is good to have you back. Uh, the 41st time you've partnered up on the Football Clichés podcast, I'll have you know. The 41st time we've been together. Mm, you too, yeah. Not quite the, the landmark we were hoping for, but uh, that's what the data said, and the data never lies. Cracking adjudication panel today. Honestly, one of the best we've ever had, as far as I'm concerned. Pure gold all the way through. Let's kick off with this. Now, um, Charlie, we talk a lot about how football phrases have infiltrated wider society, but none of them perhaps quite as superbly as this. This is from um, Dr. Sam Bugord, who says, um, thoughts on the guy in the gym talking about his newborn son after his two weeks paternity leave. Yeah, he slotted straight in. (laughs) (laughs) He really hit the ground running. He slotted straight in. (laughs) Has has this person got kids already? Because that would make a bit more sense if they did have a few already. And I'm sure. sort of joining the team. Strikes me as first time dad to me. Right. But no, no, mate, well, maybe, oh, you're, you're, you're sort of presuming that it's extended family and, and they, they found their spot in the team sort of thing. That would make more sense. No, as if he, as if he was like the, the third of three or whatever. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's superb. Even um, so, that's good going at two it weeks. It is nice. Yeah. <laughs> but crucially, Dave, it feels like, it feels like a subconscious kind of football thing it would it doesn't sound like it was ironic it doesn't sound like it was deliberate it just feels like something that was on the tip of his tongue and football helped him out yeah i mean i'm not i'm not a parent so i can't have that of any experience to compare this to but would would the um sort of opposite be true could you if you were having a bit of a tough time early doors with sleep you know the sleep patterns or crying or whatever could you what would you be you know could you say quite still finding his feet really yeah yeah i'll quite often say to my wife that our son's in a good moment <laughs> or, or a bad moment you like, you I, th- in a good moment there's there's so much of the football vernacular that lends itself to to sort of child care just further proves the rule too that um gym changing rooms are the sources of so much wisdom 
or anti-wisdom in this case. <laughs> um, but, you know, fantastic start. Um, this next one is from George Watkins, who says, I'm not sure if I'm going mad, but I don't think I've ever heard a corner delivery described like this. This is from the championship encounter between Sheffield United and Sunderland last week. Lee Hendry on Cocoms. Then the free kick flashed in. And the delivery, well, just have to question, can Patterson do better here? Once it's really wazzed in at pace. Dave, are we happy with wazzed in in a mainstream context? I've never heard it before. I'll say that. And, I've, you know, it, is it related to swaz? Wazzed in? I don't think and, it is. And really. whiz, whizzed, similar. maybe. Whizzed, fizzed. Waz yeah. or swazzed. Yeah, we talked about swaz before, Charlie, and the the kind of inference there is is that it's something to do with the kind of direction that's placed on the ball after it's mm. been struck. Wazzed, I would suggest in this situation, is more the kind of the power. You've wazzed it in. Yeah, I, I actually think it's quite good. I mean, I can mm. see, as in like you, you know what he means. Exactly. And that's sort of the point. Mm. And I do wonder, like having occasionally I'll um, press rooms, you'll overhear footballers talking. And I do think they use words often to one another that they they realise they can't really use in commentary. But I wonder <laughs> if that is one of them. Waz is something that might come up a little bit, but normally Hendry would stop himself because he's like, oh, I can't really say this in cons. Well, it's certainly not an unprecedented um, journey this, Dave going from professional footballers to wider usage. We've had worldy, which I think was more of a footballer's thing mm. than wider usage. And we've had um, the m- seeming emergence of Clino amongst the goalkeeping fraternity. Clino. I've Clean-o. heard Clean. I've heard Cleany, actually. <laughs> that would make more sense. <laughs> yeah. Cleany. That's so good. Cleany this weekend. Yeah. Clino's more of a nickname, I <laughs> yeah. think. Right, Clean-o. yeah. yeah. St- oh, Stuart yeah. Clean oh. or someone. Yeah. <laughs> Right, Stuart Clean. <laughs> what a guy he sounds. Um, Solid right back. Clean but yeah, as as Charlie said, Waz does the job in an almost onomatopoeic sense, but not mm. quite. But yeah, we'll take it. It's but one to keep an eye on. Next, Fred the Derrick has noticed that Morgan Gibbs-White, who joined Nottingham Forest for a fee of up to £42.5 million in the recent days, is now the most expensive player ever to not have a picture on his Wikipedia page, which I think is significant. Wow. Culturally. Charlie, what do you reckon? It feels like a moment. You're right. I'm amazed that he doesn't. I mean, what's, what, what, I mean, that's just slack, isn't it? I mean, yeah. There was quite oh, a lot of buzz around him. for, yeah. for, for There has been for a while. Yeah. Dave, I, mean, I went on to Transfer Marked to look at their list of all-time transfer fees. Um, it turns out that Gibbs White, if his total fee is realised, will become the 100th most expensive player of all time. Uh, I checked That's a few nice. of the borderline potential borderline cases in that top one, top ninety nine. They all had Wikipedia photos, so he seems to be the only one in that top one hundred that's photo list. So, who is he sandwiched between? <laughs> who's ninety nine and one hundred and first? You're only supposed to do this for FIFA World Rankings, uh, but this is who, fine. Who's, who's the Q eight in this situation? Yeah. Um, so if he if he does end up being forty two point five million, that puts him just below Gaithka Mendieta oh. um, to Lazio, mm. two thousand and one. Old school. And just ahead of Luis Diaz to Liverpool for 42.3. I mean, these fees can be disputed, of course. But that's his place in the... Pantheon. Pantheon, indeed. So, Charlie, if he does end up with a Wikipedia photo in the near future, uh, what's it going to be? Well, on average, what's it most likely to be? Well, I don't know. I have a vision of a lot of these. They're They're pictures where there are quite a lot of people in shot. They always seem to be from about 2011. Not great quality. Yeah. You can see the player, but there are also a number of players sort of running around them. It's very zoomed in, like at least five times zoom on the mobile phone. It's either like warming up or standing, yeah. getting ready like at the start of a game, like for the anthems or something like that. So, and is that, oh, yeah, yeah, and is, is that why they're not yeah. great quality? Because they, yeah. they, they always look like they're this really weird zoom. Exactly. Because it's, yeah, it's like creative comments. It's just someone's phone at a game. There it is. But yeah, I'm expecting... I mean, it could be a mid-game. Corner. Could be a corner. Oh, yeah, yeah, could be. Could be. We wait with bated breath to find <laughs> out. someone update us as soon? Someone's got to be on this. It we'll will take happen it in within the next 24 hours. Such is the um, the dynamic of Wikipedia. Um, on this note, Alexander Stephen has a bone to pick with a recent athletic piece uh, titled Why Nottingham Forest Can Spend More Than Most Premier League Rivals This Summer. And within that piece, Dave was this passage. Gibbs White joins a small army of new signings sanctioned by Forest head coach Steve Cooper this summer. Uh, Alexander Stephen says, 16 players does not constitute a small army. I disagreed straight away. I thought in football terms, 16 is a small army in pretty much any context, I think. in Well, in football terms, it's, it's a big army, isn't it? Could be. It's almost a whole matchday squad. 
Charlie, do you think Phil's small army is, is okay for 16 players being signed in one summer? Yeah, I think 16 is so many that you have quite a lot of license there. Mm. Because in, in, in relative terms, that is, that's a massive number. Yeah. Setting aside for a moment football's um, unique context for this, um, despite my disagreement, Alexander then sent me a link to the Wikipedia page for NATO-approved hierarchy of military units. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you, I can reveal, presumably exclusively, because who else would talk about this, that it can only be an army once you go to 100,000 men and above. Anything less than that cannot be an army, apparently. 16 people, Charlie, can only be called a section or patrol. That's 12 to 24 Because I was thinking, yeah, squadron, but maybe that's a lot more. Um, Maybe NATO don't define squadron. They do. Or I think that might be under Air Force branches. Squadron is 300 to 1,000 people. Uh, That could be a battalion or a regiment or a cohort. So we're, yeah, way below that. Well, but that's a good example because cohort, you talk about, uh, in much smaller group, you talk about like the latest cohort of whatever grads that we've taken on this year. And that's not going to be... Exactly. NATO are all over the shop. Absolutely over <laughs> the shop. Yeah. Uh, the, smallest, grip, the smallest unit of military personnel, Dave, is a team or crew, two to four. Okay. But a patrol. So they're a patrol. Steve Cooper's patrol of new signings. Signed a patrol. Not a platoon, because that's 26 to 55. Interestingly, Charlie, echelon is 50 to 90 soldiers. That's Because, I mean, I think of like upper and lower echelons. I wouldn't necessarily mm. think of it in that in that kind of way. I know. We've learned a lot today. Absolutely treasure trove this uh, yeah. this particular Wikipedia page. The next attempt to define once and for all the starting point for a football cliche comes from niche retro football compilation king Brian's Gun, who thinks he may have heard from Martin Tyler for Manchester United versus Liverpool in February 1983, the first ever instance of this. Couple gets the cross in. Muran. Well, he almost hit it too cleanly. <laughs> Brian's gun says surely not the origin of this cliche but I'm struggling to find an earlier one and trust me if he can't do it then nobody can but Charlie I'm inclined to think that it, this might be around the time of its origin because I don't feel like it it doesn't feel like something that someone would have said in the 50s and 60s in proper old fashioned commentary it feels like a fairly modern phenomenon yeah I I, th- I mean this is still what almost 40 years ago yeah that's a long time of people hitting the ball too well hmm. yeah I mean I, I, I don't know is it a is it a fairly modern thing? I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, I'd be surprised. Um, what I'm more interested about this, uh, Dave, is that that game finished 1-1. I wonder if uh, Martin Tyler was really unenthused about Liverpool's goal <laughs> and that was the start <laughs> of the conspiracy. <laughs> well, that will be, yeah. I mean, don't set the mess- masses on that one because mm. they will, they will oh, go over yeah, it yeah. fine tooth comb, I'm sure. Absolutely. Yeah, feeding the fire. Next up... Um, Charlie, you may remember Gordon Brown's election campaign in 2010 being thrown into turmoil after he was caught on mic calling a Labour supporter who had challenged him over the economy and immigration a bigoted woman. Gillian yeah. Duffy, yes. Listener Dave O'Leary, who has been listening to the Rest is Politics podcast. I, li- I was just about to say, I think I probably listened to the same bit. Wow. But you won't be surprised then because he says, learning today of this bit part role in the Gordon Brown slash Gillian Duffy slash bigot controversy in 2010 was something of a surprise for me this week. Um, here's Alistair Campbell of said podcast with the story. Now, if you don't know who it's going to be, your mind may well be blown. See, Gordon. And I was looking, my phone kept going and it was, and I just, I couldn't be bothered. I wasn't answering my phone unless it was somebody I knew. And it was just lots of numbers, you know, number withheld. So I just ignored it. Uh, but then I thought something's going on. And then, do you know who Jamie Redknapp is? Yeah, yeah, I do know who Jamie Redknapp is. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Well, so then the next, the next thing was Jamie Redknapp's number came up. And of course, you'd always pick up for Jamie Redknapp. You might not pick up for the BBC, but Jamie Redknapp's a different <laughs> so, situation. And I thought, why? So, uh, so I answered it, and, and, and Jamie Redknapp said these words. He says, come on, Ed how are you going to spit his way out of this one? <laughs> and I said, what are you talking about? And he said, oh, have you not been watching the telly? So, and that was the first I heard of it. The next... <laughs> Imagine hearing about a uh, medium-sized <laughs> political scandal from Jamie Redknapp. <laughs> My God. I, I know now why I was driving when I listened to this. I know now why I didn't alert you to it. Mm. And I, I nearly, in Ashley Cole terms, drove my car off the road. It was in, in, in shock. What's annoying is that Rory Stewart doesn't know enough about Jamie Redknapp to follow up on sort of like, how on earth did this come about? 
that they're close enough for him to just be calling him and sort of bantering him about a scandal. I mean, we act surprised here, Dave, but then Redknapp has these very earnest moments. He gets very worked up about things. Maybe maybe this is one of them. It does sound like it from, from what <laughs> no. Campbell, Campbell was saying. He's very much in it. In a league of his own mode. Yeah, there. He, was, he, was, he was after a bit of banter, yeah. I think, wasn't he, from Campbell. I thought it was going to be Fergie when I when I first sort of heard the clip. That's I a was good thinking, shout. You know, they're, yeah. they're, it's well publicised that they, those two are mates. But he's also, well, he's in Manchester at the time as well, Campbell, so there's even more reason to think it might be a sort of some of the Manchester connection. Just a huge surprise to me. What a <laughs> strange name to just suddenly pop into that exchange. <laughs> Jack Key noticed this on the BBC Sport homepage at the weekend, Dave. Scottish Premiership. Hibs nil, Rangers one. Tavernier lashes in penalty. Jack Key simply asks, can you lash in a penalty? I think no. Why not? Because lashing, to me, heavily implies, from my football experience, two things. One, a cross coming across to you. And two, optional extra, hit first time. There's a sort of swiping action to it, lashed into the net. And you can't lash a penalty. I don't think you could lash a penalty. Am I wrong, Charlie? Well, sticking with Rangers, what about Jorg, uh, however it's Jorg Alberts? Did he never lash a penalty? If anyone's ever lashed a penalty, I feel like he may have done. He used it's to not just power. Them. It's not just power. It's the action. It's the it's the context in which the shot takes place. It's almost like you couldn't turn in a penalty, for example. Right. Because turning in heavily references a context that we're all kind of familiar with subconsciously and I think mm. lashes is the same thing lashes has to be an open play situation you can't lash you couldn't lash in a free kick and you can't lash in a penalty that makes sense you can't smash it you know you can smash a penalty presumably. you could smash it as Alberts did so memorably yeah <laughs> yes indeed um, right next up really like this really love this gonna test out my Portuguese now this is from Patrick Kendrick ahead of Porto's 3-0 win over Huge rivals sporting on Saturday. Porto coach Sergio Conceição was trotting out the usual chat ahead of the game, but with an unexpected twist. He said, Nesta altura de época não vai desagir nada. Em jogo de quatro pontos em meio. In English, this is the full extended quote, just to give you the full banality first. Games are always important. We still don't know which is the most important to define the champion, but games between candidates have this particularity that they are three points that the opponent may not win and that we can win if we win the game. At this point in the season, it won't decide anything. It's a four and a half point game. Wow. This must be a Portuguese thing. I don't reckon they're as surprised as we are. Four and a half pointer. Yeah. If there's a podcast over in... In Portugal, football cliches. There's no way that this is even on their radar. This is probably part of their tapestry. But I've never heard it before. Four and a half point game. Is that better though, Dave, than six pointer? Does it make more sense? So run run me through how his workings here. What's the what's the difference? I don't th- I don't think it makes any difference. I think he's is he, is he saying it's the same six- as a six pointer, right? Yeah. Okay. It's just not a new thing. It's just a different way of expressing that particular mathematical but I, conundrum. But then you've got the added context, Charlie, of Conceição saying that this game won't decide anything. So it isn't a six-pointer in the UK sense. So maybe he's rowing back from six-pointer and saying it's just a four-and-a-half-pointer. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that would... Because I feel like you want to... Um, you always want to, you know, numerically show, like, the maximum range, make it as dramatic as possible, which is what a six-pointer does. Yeah. Mm. Like four the half, half point playing mm. it down a little bit. It's and it also it's like you know you, the only time you ever hear of half points in football is when some stats nerds are talking about you know average points per game across mm. a season or whatever. You need to get two and a half points per game yeah, across yeah. a season to qualify for the such and such. I don't know if he's doing that here, but I, I, yeah, I'm instinctively not comfortable with the idea of half points. I mean, I like the idea of expressing. Uh, the fact that sometimes you don't know if matches are going to be a six-pointer or not. So let's say it doesn't happen so much anymore, but teams that you don't know if they're going to be in the title race or whatever are playing a team that you know will be. That would be a way of sort of expressing, like, well, we don't know yet, but this could actually turn out to be a crucial match in the title race, if that's what that's doing. Quick bit of research suggests that it's the first time it's ever been uttered in Portuguese football. Google has no other mentions of Quachapontas in Mayo in football at any other stage. So maybe he has coined it, after all. I think it's about as good as six-pointer to me. But yeah, a lovely twist on the old classic. Let's stay in Portuguese football as well, because Ollie Heath writes in, Dave, says, Wolves smashing their transfer record for yet another Portuguese player, Mateus Nunes, has made me wonder 
Has one club ever been so associated with players of a particular country? Now, we know that Wolves is more of an administrative thing. This isn't really a cultural thing. They've just signed loads of players at the um, alleged behest of an agent. And it, and, it, and it's it's worked out quite well for them, so they've carried on doing it. So they've got, I think they had seven Portuguese players in their lineup this weekend. So Wolves, very Portuguese. In Premier League history, who comes next? Arsenal and the French. That was my immediate that's thought. Right, yeah, that's where my head went. Chelsea's and Italians, like in the late nineties. Yeah, it wasn't that many. I mean, there were obviously there were a few, but they were just quite they were quite big characters. It's a real plummet, isn't it, all the way from from Wolves and Portugal? I mean, what Wigan and Spanish players? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel- I mean, obviously we talked about the, the Middlesbrough Brazilian connection, yeah. the, the Branco Emerson Janino, yeah, which at the time felt like a massive. Uh, Influx. I don't think Manchester United have had every had a particular nationality. I mean, has there been a Dutch one? Rangers. Rangers are quite Dutch. Yeah, I feel like there's an obvious one again with like with a manager that came in and signed a load of players from their country. I mean, they have apparently eleven players in their squad, Portuguese players in their squad. So they could play. Uh, it's taken them a few years to do that as well. So I don't think any other club would have had the time to amass it mm. and the same the same conditions in which for it to happen. Because if if it ever happened at another club, it would be dismantled pretty quickly once the manager got sacked. So it'd be yeah. quite hard to do. So but what's funny as well is that like I was saying this during the game that even they even embody the same stereotypes of some of the Portuguese national teams, like how they can never get they never seem to have a good striker. <laughs> so Portugal always at major tournaments would have loads of really good attacking players. You remember they'd always have Rui Costa, Figo mm. and guys like that, but they never seem to have someone who could actually score. And Wolves on Saturday seem to be like, oh, here we go. We're sort of we're really embodying the, the Portugal of the early to mid noughties. I suppose the only other one currently is Brentford Danish. Yeah. Yeah. That's quite a boring one, isn't it? Yeah. But, but it, at the same time, I guess kind of a similar context. It's like it's more of a plan, like a convenient thing for them, given their recent ownership. So I don't know. But yeah, Wolves well ahead in this context. I'm glad we've sorted that one out. Love this question from Will Hardy, Charlie. He says, with Mbappe having the fastest ever League 1 goal, do you prefer records to be held by names or random quiz question players? This is a good question. <laughs> That's good. It, the context in which I was thinking of this was who scores the landmark goals in Premier League. Mm, mm. And do you want it to be like Moritz Voltz or do you want it to be Les Ferdinand? That, <laughs> I guess it's, it's, it's records where we feel a significant and important that we, we want sort of, we have a degree of ownership over. When they're more arbitrary ones, I think, yeah, just make it as random as possible. I don't know. I don't like Mbappé because PSG is so dominant in every other sphere. I'd much rather that was a more... A less celebrated player. Yeah, okay. I see. I'd, when it's shared around, fine. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more I'm definitely more in the vaults camp here, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I like you know, like the quickest goal in Premier League history is Shane Long, I think. Yes. Again against Watford from a few seasons ago. It was like seven seconds or something ridiculous. Yeah. He's the sort um, of player who should be holding these mm, records. I mm. agree. Um so weirder records like fastest goals should go to more obscure players. The yeah. voluminous things and the ballon d'ors. They should go to the big names, of yeah. course. Share it around. Give the weird ones to weirder players, definitely. Um, completely agree. Uh, I think you'll both agree on this one, but let's let's test it out anyway. This is Don Goodman going very early during Leeds versus Chelsea. Five minutes, fairly flown by. Brilliant tempo, opportunities, shots at both ends. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, listener Johnny Evans has written in and says, Don Goodman said the first five minutes of Leeds versus Chelsea flew by. What's the earliest that can be said in a game? Five minutes is far too early for me. Completely agree. <laughs> Regardless of what happened in the first five minutes. Yeah, well. it only, only feels like five minutes ago the teams yeah. were walking out. <laughs> the, the, uh, the whistle for kickoff seems a very long time ago. <laughs> that, yeah, that is a huge, huge claim. I think you've got to get into the 20s before you start saying that, I think. So, so first 20 minutes has flown by, I think it's about right. The yeah. first sort of quarter of a game, yeah, mm. I think it's probably about right. 15 minutes wouldn't even work, Charlie, because that's still formative, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's too early. I mean, conversely, for me personally, and I don't know if, any, if anyone actually stops to think about it, often, unlike in real life, quite boring games often go quite quickly. Whereas right. actually, games where loads is happening, you'll off, sometimes you'll be like, God, it's, seven, it's only 17 minutes gone and it's already, there have already been three goals. I think time works in a slightly different way, actually, during mm, first halves of football matches. If I had to kind of classify it, I don't think the phenomenon necessarily happens when you're watching your own team, where you're kicking every ball mentally. It doesn't necessarily happen with games you're not emotionally invested in at all. Let's take an absolutely huge top-of-the-table game between teams you don't support. If If you're really looking forward to watching it, 
and then you look up and you see it's like 32 minutes gone. You're like, oh, that's quite annoying. I want this game to go on longer. Like, I feel mm. like I've, mm-hmm. it's annoying that it's going this quickly. That's how I feel sometimes. Right, yeah. Well, I know what you're saying, Charlie, because I can remember that feeling sitting at Vicarage Road and say it's a, it's a, it's a nil-nil you know, in the championship or whatever. And you look up and it's like 32 minutes gone. And you're like, well, that, nothing's happened yet. Exactly, yeah. 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 How has that much gone? Yeah. Yeah, start again. Start again. Do it again. Damn right. In full agreement, as expected. Love this from listener Sam. He says, what are the criteria for a you-know-exactly-what-you're-going-to-get-from-a-manager-X team. It was used by Jonathan Woodgate about Steve Cooper on Five Live on Saturday. And with all due respect to Cooper, I don't think I do know exactly what I'm going to get from a Steve Cooper team. I mean, that, that's that's definitely on us, but I would agree with that. Fine. I'd be very curious to be enlightened. But, I just well, know what kind really of teams would, would most lend themselves to you-know-what-you're-going-to-get? I think it's more of a physical thing. It's Yeah, it's a proper football man thing, isn't it? It's Allardyce, it's Pulis, I think. Dice. In yeah. your face. Yeah. You know you know you're gonna have a, you're gonna have a tough afternoon. Or but also Guardiola. Mm. Like that end the, the sort of hyper possession sort of thing. Even I, I think Cooper the thing is Cooper's not been around long enough in the Premier League, but I think you sort of would have heard I bet someone said this about Brendan Rodgers before. And he's certainly Roberto, in this one in that Swansea period. Yeah. I mean, such is my ignorance of Steve Cooper that the only thing I expect from the Steve Cooper team is like a bunch of under 17s. <laughs> that's all I know. Dunno, dunno. 16 new players every week. No idea. I think you'd be less likely to get it with the Guardiola team, though, because there's an element of damning with faint praise, isn't there? I think so. I don't think you do that with him. Yeah, you'd never use it for an elite level manager. Yeah, you might, do, you might do it if they were stylistically obvious, but not that good. So I think Rogers is a good example there. Like, because his his style of football is very obvious, but they're not amazingly good. But yeah, I don't think you'd. I he think also... that would be. Yeah. No. Uh, all right. Okay. There's only one way yeah. to settle this. There's only one way to settle this. Let's go for the entire Premier League and decide whether each of these teams qualify for this phenomenon. Do you know what you're going to get from a uh, Arsenal team under Mikel Arteta? Increasingly so. I think you would. You could say that feasibly if they lost a game where they'd played quite nice attacking football. So, or, or they'd passed it loads. So you know you get. You know you know you're going to get from an Arteta team. They'll they'll pass the ball a lot. I, I just wonder if they've got that cutting edge. Okay. Interesting. Do you know what you're going to get from a Steven Gerrard team, Dave? Nah. No idea. No. no. Do you know what you're getting from a Scott Parker team, Charlie? I think so. I think like uh, earnest uh, sort of hard work. You know what you're getting from a Thomas Frank team, though, Dave? Do you? Though I mean, sort of. Yeah. Bit of a bombardment. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was going to. Cool he's sort way. of under the radar <laughs> in a data-led way. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He's sort of under the radar, proper football man, but but everyone loves him. You know what you're getting from a Graham Potter team, don't you, Charlie? Yeah. You, yeah. You do. You okay. do. I think. You that's know, what they, Steve Cooper's basically aiming for, right? Yeah. 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 Fine. Potter's actually a good example of the sort of Rogers 10 years ago. Mm. Um, testing the uh, elite level or in and around elite level theory. You know what you're getting from a Thomas Tuchel team? No. No. I don't think anybody knows. No. Nobody knows. You know what you're getting from a Patrick Vieira team? On the way. Sort of. Yeah, yeah I think it needs a bit Steve more. Coopery. You know what you're getting from a Frank Lampard team? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, Loads problem... of players arriving in the box late because that's, <laughs> that's what they the join problem. the club to do. That's the problem with Gerard Lampard and Vieira is that we know them so much as players and their teams don't really sort of n- nicely, smoothly f- compare to their styles as a player. Like, Right, let's complete the Premier League in quick-fire fashion because I fear for our listeners here. Jesse Marsh, <laughs> yes. 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 Brendan yes. Rodgers, we've established as a yes. Mm-hmm. Jurgen Klopp, yes, but probably not this Liverpool team because it's too obvious. Yes, so agree. If you're talking about him in the abstract, then it would Early be... Early Liverpool, Dortmund, yeah. you could say it, and late yeah. Dortmund, yeah. Would allow the same for Guardiola. Uh, jury's very much still out on, an, you know, what you're getting from an Eric Ten Hag team. Eddie Howe? No, because I think it's no. completely changed, isn't it, from Bournemouth? Steve Cooper, the genesis of this. Ralph Hazenhuttl, I think, yes. Yeah, he's a, yeah well, he's... he's quite he's, the inherent con- inconsistency with all of his teams. He's from the Red Bull school <laughs> yeah. of coaching. Red Bull Antonio Conte, yes! Come on! Y- yes. He's Champions League places for this, easily. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Wingbacks. David Moyes? Not anymore. yes. I think when when you were Ever- when they were Everton when it was at Everton and Goodison Park it was a really tough place to go. You could feasibly say that. Don't think now because I feel often he's coming away from games and sort of being disappointed with the level of commitment. So I think yeah. he would like you to know exactly what you're going to get from a Moyes team, but 
we just don't. And finally, Bruno Large. Do you know what you're going to get from a Bruno Large team? <laughs> I would uh, love, love, love someone to say that. Look, you, listen, you know what you're going to get from a Bruno Large team. I mean, what, what, there'll be a lot of Portuguese players. So a rough 50-50 split for the Premier League then, which is nice, which is what I would have wanted. But uh, enough uh, exposing of our general football ignorance now. Hello, I'm James Richardson. If, like me, you've ever felt like one of Cantona's cows watching gamely as football steams past like an express train, then why not join me three times a week over on the Totally Football Show? This Monday, for example, I'll be joined by Daniel Storey, Tom Williams and Benji Lignardo to explain what actually happened this Premier League weekend. Huh. Tuesday, it's the turn of the Euro crew, Horncastle, Honigstein, Alvaro Romeo and Julian Laurence to drop knowledge on all the continent's big stories, including this week the biggest last-minute comeback in Bundesliga history. Woof. Thursday then, it's back to our septic aisle to preview the weekend's Premier League games again with data beta Duncan Alexander and this week, analysis from Karl Anker and Adrian Clark. Join us then for cogent insight, fun and a few feeble puns plus the odd move from me. Just search for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, look at that! That is wonderful! Brought to your ears by The Athletic. This is Football Clichés. Right, listeners, on Friday, it's going to be the first instalment of the Football Clichés podcast, Sister Column, It Is What It Is. Oh. Um, we're going to be exploring lots of things that the podcast simply can't or uh, just didn't think was good enough. So uh, I want you to tweet your questions and observations in for that, particularly anything that can't really be tackled on a podcast, anything visual that you've noticed uh, that I can get stuck into. Otherwise, you're just going to have to put up with whatever I come up with. So that's going to be every Friday on The Athletic. It is what it is. Seeing as um, we are requesting listeners to help out with new future <laughs> endeavours, can I can I join in? Can I, can yeah, I sure. One? Yeah. Um, desperately need a goalkeeper for my Sunday league team. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's out there, wants to play Sunday Amazing. league every Sunday, Clapham Common, various other places in and around South London, get in touch. Stay at those pitches at the moment. Honestly, who would brave the bobble? Although I am tempted with my new gloves, so... We'll see. Right, next up, the Press Association's chief football writer, Simon Peach, was at the King Power at the weekend for Leicester's mini capitulation against Southampton. And he spotted, Charlie, a Johnny Evans, James Ward-Prowse half-and-half scarf on sale. Wow. Are those the two... Why, what's the was, thinking behind the choices of those two? Ward-Prowse, I guess, is a shoe-in, but why Johnny Evans? Did the person making the scarf think they were the two captains? Oh, maybe. In fact, are they the two captains? I mean, Ward-Prowse is for Southampton. Is Evans the Leicester captain? I can't picture Johnny Evans without a captain's armband on, so I have to assume so. That Maybe he just thought, these are the two players that will definitely not leave this summer, so my stock is safe. Yeah. <laughs> Madison is the, compar- is the obvious comparison to Ward-Prowse from the you know, set-piece prowess. You want glamour on your scarf, though, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Evans. Just... Or he picked two players that he thought were most likely to start the game and, you know, <laughs> you'd hate to look stupid with that. that much of a last-minute decision. Well, looking at the team, you're going, who am I going to put on my Yeah, desperately following all the injury updates. Two members of our um, Team GB, <laughs> 10 years on the left. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it was. I don't know if Evans made the cut in the end or not. But, I don't yeah. know. He was in the mix. Maybe yeah. that was enough. Maybe that was enough. Never thought of that. What an incredible spot that was. Right, lots of people instantly reporting this from the early stages of Bournemouth nil, Arsenal 3. This is just the eighth minute. And here was the uh, willing runner. And Zinchenko using his experience just to calm things down with nonchalance. 
just sensed that Tavernier was there as it was a ball of play, wondering on who it was and didn't panic. I don't think he even looked, but the presence of mind just to kill the football. Seven and a half minutes in and the Olays are out. It's something like a Premier League record. Jim Pravett's right here, Dave. I'm pretty sure this has to be a Premier League record for the earliest Olaying. Surely. Must be. And of course it's Arsenal fans. (laughs) (laughs) 1-0 up away to Bournemouth on the way to their third win of the season and they're rolling out the Olays after seven minutes. Well, I was going to say, Charlie, does being 1-0 up early doors kind of mitigate against it? You're you're, you're down on the sunny south coast already. You're already having a nice day of it and you're already 1-0 up. So surely that kind of allows this behaviour, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm always wary of Olays. They make me nervous. We've talked about it before. I feel like you're tempting fate. I think you need to be far more comfortably ahead than 1-0 to be doing Olays. I mean, I think 2-0 is acceptable if it's sort of in stoppage time and you're clearly going to win the game. Eight minutes and only 1-0 up. That would make me feel very tense. Their confidence proved to be a completely sound judgment. You know, they want they comfortably won out, but There's nothing they did about Olaying. That's not they the did, point. yeah. Bit no. of a gamble there from the Arsenal mm. fans. Uh, then at two 0 it is looking like a pink Rolls Royce at the moment. Spice. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan Smith there on Sky Sports, Charlie, using Rolls Royce for the collective. Is did, he? Yeah, is he not? He said these players. Are looking like a pink Rolls Royce, yeah. Didn't uh, Lady Penelope from Thunderbirds drive a pink Rolls Royce? Yes, indeed. That was my first instinct. It's Fab One from Thunderbirds. So a pink Rolls Royce already exists. So it's not without precedent, but not entirely keen on it in this context. For the collective as well, can can a, can a team be a Rolls Royce, Dave? Are you happy about it? Because it's moving parts, all coming together as one, as a unit. Yeah. Gracefully. I don't like it, though. Neither do I. No. Neither do I. Because there are some parts of that team that are definitely not Rolls Royce. I mean, I guess the one because th- it's so associated with physical, with with movement and that sort of thing. The Arsenal Invincibles team, if there were to be one, I feel like they were so defined by how they moved. If you think of someone yeah. like Thierry Henry, that's a very They're, good chat. They are the closest, I would say. And they and they do actually have that sort of uh, British sort of kind of pomp and pedigree about in the marble halls of Highbury. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Highbury's basically the Rolls Royce of a stadium. It needs to be yeah. bigger though, didn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. probably not big enough, but um but it, yeah. I don't know. Mini Rolls Royce. But yeah, on this theme, this is great. Luke of Norfolk writes in and this looks suspiciously like an advert that's just popped up on his Facebook or something. But he says, What do you think about this? The Panasonic Arc Six electric razor is like driving a Rolls Royce across your face. <laughs> 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 I don't think that's had the intended effect. That's amazing. No. <laughs> Guys, do you think it'll sound a bit weird? Dri- no, no, no. People love it. Rolls Royce, it's like luxury. Yeah. No, it's like driving a Rolls Royce across your face. Like having a car driving yeah. over your face again and again and again. <laughs> um, madness. Madness. Anyway, the big question after Newcastle 3, Manchester City 3 came from listener Alex K. Jelski, who asked Twitter, genuine question, can a Premier League game be deemed a classic if there isn't a winner? I'm not so sure. It did make me stop and think, despite the fact that 92.2% of respondents said yes, it can. But, Charlie, a lot of Premier League classics need a kind of resolution. They need someone who's deflated at the end and someone who's elated. Can there just Mm. be sort of friendly handshakes at the end of a Premier League classic? Though that can happen from a draw. So if you think like the 4-4 Liverpool-Arsenal basically killed Liverpool Liverpool's title bid that season. I thought so you were going to go 4-4 Newcastle Arsenal. So did I. <laughs> well, or that one, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that, that I would absolutely yeah, felt like a win. That would, supply the, that would supply the different contrast in emotions enough. Dave, I am do... I overthinking it? I mean, it's all about what the roller coaster was before the game yeah, finished, right? it does. I think this one, because it was... I think I think a draw, it helps if you have a late equaliser or something. Mm. You know, a little late that drama. feels like a winner. This one, yeah. obviously, was... Three all was still half an hour, or roughly half an hour to go. Yeah, that's I think, true, wasn't actually. It? Yeah. yeah, that's true. Needs late drama. It does. I think classics do need late drama or a late twist. Um, mm, yes. Yeah, so maybe you can have them, but maybe that's why this felt a little bit. Mm. You're a little bit unsure as to whether it was. And also, you don't want to overload the drama. That is a good point. Like you know those games where you're so excited, it's like two all at half time or something, and then finishes two two feels quite disappointing. Yeah, it's rubbish. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. Surprised. And I, I think recency bias plays a huge part here, Dave, because we can declare it a classic now, but are people still going to be watching highlights of it in five, six years, ten years? Nope. They won't watch it. No. Again. No chance. This isn't Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3. I think we're too will, there, will there ever be another Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3? I don't know. don't know. Also, for, I mean, the fact that it's in August doesn't help its cause. No, it doesn't. It you just know, when doesn't. City win the title by 18 points. Yeah, it wasn't even really a four and a half pointer, this one. <laughs> right, this one has been bubbling under for quite a while and it's starting to reach a real boil at the start of this season. Nick Goff writes in and says, the three-letter abbreviations on ITV's EFL show are an abomination. There are some clear and simple rules on this which have stood the test of time. Burton can't be anything other than B-U-R. They certainly aren't B-A-L, as the current EFL highlights have them. And as for Port Vale, disgusting, which I believe Port Vale are... PVation. P-V-L, they are. P-V-L are Port Vale. They can't have poor because that's Portsmouth. So, clearly... Dave, what's occurring here is that they've established a kind of sort of UN style coding system where no team can have the same, mm. no two teams can have the same abbreviation. But there are some more sensible ways of doing this. But what instinctively would you go for? Is it the first three letters of the name or is it the first three significant sounds in I the think- name? I think hmm. it, I think it's a case by case basis and what feels right because I I text you this almost exact same thing about two two or three weeks ago I think involving Burton actually and the Bristol Rovers was the other one and yeah they had they had like BRV for Bristol Rovers BRV is weird it is and weird it, it doesn't look right I think you want BR BRI and I think I think they because I think there there's there's tension here between the not not unreasonable idea of assuming that people could be watching for the first time and also portioning in a fair amount of assumed knowledge onto your audience. So if I see a team that are playing in blue and white quarters and it says BRI, I'm not going to think it's Bristol City. I'm going to know. But I think it's a noble thing, Charlie, not to want to have the same code for two teams. But what should Burton Albion be? Because they can't. it shouldn't be BUR because that's, that's Burnley, obviously. But it shouldn't be... Yeah, it shouldn't be BAL. That's that's complete crap. It should be BTN, right? BTN's, BTN's, BTN's a good shout, yeah. What would Bolton be? BOL. But BOL would be right. No one else would need that. I think your priority should be the first three letters of the name if the, if you think that does the job. So Bolton, BOL, you don't need the Wanderers incorporated into no. the three-letter code. It's too much. Mm. Elsewhere, Henry Robertshaw got stuck into this and noticed that Carlisle United are cut. C-U-T, Charlie. That's awful. <laughs> I would have no idea who that is. We'll get to the point, like with airports, where some of them are... Airports are similarly, they have these three-letter acronyms, and some of them are way out now of sort of trying to understand where they actually came from, because there are so many of them. Yeah, it's true. I mean, could you just do it so that if you're not going to play... If and when you play... It's like home and away kit. Like, some teams have... You know, oh, you, you can't uh, complicate. You can't have a, an away. Code. No, 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 no. What I mean is, like, in the same way teams have red, and then if you play them, you wear your changed strip. So could there be two burrs? And then if the two burrs play each other, then one of the burrs wears their away strip, i.e., BTN or whatever. Because there's no real re. It doesn't. Re- it's not really going to confuse you if you see more than one. I don't think you're going to be able to know. Well, okay, I know that I saw Burnley earlier. I don't think it's Burnley again. I mean, you could argue, yeah, you could you could argue they don't need to be consistent across weeks. I mean, why would they need to be? No one's going to remember what they were last week. Um, so maybe it just needs to be the most logical thing, regardless of whether it clashes with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Unless they play exactly. each other. Yeah, I mean, there's a growing dissent about this. It's actually quite funny to watch. But CUT for Carlisle is just insane. It's just insane. Um, <laughs> CRL, Henry Robert Shaw says for Carlisle. I think maybe CA... CSL? Is that is that I think CRL. too much of a spread and not focusing on the syntax? CRL is almost, yeah, you can almost fine. read it as Carlisle. Sort of. yeah. I would love to get hold of this list. Someone will send it to me. I guarantee. <laughs> Someone on the inside will send me this list and we'll have a right old go at it next week. <laughs> right old ding dong. Yeah. Um, Max Worth, Jack McGeehan and Connor, among many, many others, noticed this in the eighth round of the Alexander Usyk Anthony Joshua fight, where Usyk was described as having a wand of a left hand. <laughs> Max in particular says this works nicely uh, because in football, wands are only ever for left feet, not right. And this is my input. You know, hands are more wandy, surely. They're closer to yeah. being wands. I mean, that's what you wands. would typically operate a wand with. Mm. Uh, you'd rather have you'd rather a hammer of a of a left hand if you exactly, yeah. And that's so, what I was thinking. A wand's a bit. It's a bit wafty. You can have, you could have an educated left hand in boxing, though. It, it wouldn't make <laughs> a cultured sense. left hand. A cultured left hand, because like there's power there, but he knows how to use it. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. timing. 
the noble art. Mm. But the one, so you're doing quite like creative things with that left hand. You're not just smashing someone. Yeah, you're sort of lead, You might lead thanks. them one way and then exactly hit with the other. Exactly. So I'm I'm happy with Wonder the left hand. I mean I'm sh- I get the feeling it's probably used quite a lot in boxing, Dave. So we're probably we'll be fighting against the tide anyway. But I'm I'm okay with it. I wonder if it is. Yeah, maybe. But not a right hand. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Nope. Right. Um, Tom Riley writes in and says, I heard last week on the Nottingham Forest West Ham game, the commentator say that one half of Nottingham will be delighted tonight. Notts County are currently in the National League. I was wondering how small the second team in the city need to be for them no longer to count as half. You may have covered this already. No, actually. Um, it's a good question. I love so, I mean, that question and the caveat. I don't think Notts County yeah. deserve to be half, do they, Charlie? Yeah. The black and white half of Nottingham. Yeah, I was going to say, you normally just hear the, the red half of Nottingham, which, feel, which is... Think about it. That's probably why they do it because that is quite a good um, way of mitigating against the fact. Yeah, they're not they're not necessarily half and half. But their stadiums are right next to each other as well. So I don't think it works as well. In Manchester, you've got very clear. Uh, you know, you've got City. They're up in the sort of east and right. and uh, Old Trafford's more to so the some south. So cities or are quite yeah. literally divided in half in terms of where their support are actually living. Right. So, oh well, I mean, I think broadly. Some probably define that, yeah. Sheffield, yeah. I don't know, yeah. But then like Liverpool, Everton are quite close together. But um, yeah, I don't know actually. I wonder what Nottingham Forest fans or Notts County fans would think. They doesn't seem they're, they're one of those clubs that they don't seem to have because they haven't played each other for so long. The rivalry mm. doesn't seem to exist in our sort of footballing sort of imagination. I feel like Nottingham Forest should get two thirds and Notts County a third. Seems fair, all things considered. So two two thirds of the city will be delighted tonight. Delighted. Yeah, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe half's the safest option after all. Good attempt though, Tom Riley. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. It's time for Weaver Watch. Bristol City's time in the seven-side derby again. They chase Cardiff City out of town and back over the border. <laughs> that's it's so just, good it's great it's just like the wild west I was so world, happy I was so happy when I heard it I heard that I was in a pub and I sort of just heard, just heard it over the over the sort of background noise and my ears instantly pricked up and I was straight on to you very good from Weaver when, when you put it in there in the whatsapp group I did respond I did think you were making it up I was like, there's no, that just sounds so <laughs> ridiculous. Like, that's obviously what you've done is just sort of imagined what he might say. And I thought, like, that's a really that's a really good thought of what he might have said. But there's no way he would actually have said those words. Delivered superbly, as always. But, you know, it's just become part of my routine. Saturday lunchtimes, Gary Weaver, a clip from Twitter. He will say the first 15 seconds. And I know I don't have to watch the rest of the clip because it <laughs> won't be him. Like, it'll just be the co-commentator. He will, he will get it out in the first 15 seconds. Such a reliable man. Amazing. Such a reliable man. Um, but that's not that's not the uh, traditional end to the Football Clichés podcast. That is, of course, Keys and Grey Corner. Ford Super Sunday. A uh, perfunctory one for you this week. Uh, no real gold on being, sadly. But um, do we do have this from Al Hayes. The Oasis album Be Here Now is 25 years old. And here is the TV <laughs> advert from 1997. 
opinions. Now hear the music. Be here now. The new album from Oasis. What? <laughs> why shouldn't he have got that gig? I mean, it was, we're laughing uncontrollably now, it seems, but why wouldn't he get that gig? It was smack bang in the middle of Andy Gray's golden era at Sky. No, He's you... got a very emphatic voice. He's perfect for the job. Two things that are great. One, I was <laughs> expecting Keezy the whole way. So that just really came out of left field for me. And secondly, just I love when people like that, they've already got an amazing voice that they're used to kind of raising and exclaiming, but they still feel they need to give it some extra welly. Boy, does he do that. I've never I've never heard him quite like that. That's amazing. You Normally, it would just be someone like some Radio 1 DJ. Colin Murray was the king. Of yeah, this. Scott Mills or... Yeah, Colin Murray had the throne. Andy who do, Gray. Who would do it now? Because, I mean, clearly we don't have adverts for new albums anymore, but who would do it now? Gary Weaver. <laughs> Walk into your local record shop. Oh God! I can imagine Dave Jones in a in a just kind of nice, uh, not as kind of bombastically as that, but you know, very diligently getting across the key messages of the album. Is his voice distinctive enough? Carragher, maybe Carragher or Neville. Don't know. That feels a bit much. And they're two. You might divide people that way. Whereas Dave (laughs) Jones is perfectly like. You know, no one hates Dave Jones, do they? Mm. Yeah, it's like when he does the plug for the new new series on Sky Atlantic mm. at the after the final whistle. It's yeah. sort of the same sort of thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. You can now stream Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness on Sky <laughs> Premiere. Stelling could do it. Do you think Andy told Keezy before he got that ad? <laughs> I feel like he sort of has to. <laughs> like Charlie telling me about his book deal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mind if I just... <laughs> go on, my old mate. You go ahead. You go ahead, big man. You go on, big man. Yeah, I, I mean, Keys would definitely have told Gray in a showing off kind of way. I can imagine Gray just doing it and then coming back in and he's been like, you've been a busy boy this summer, haven't you? Andy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just heard you on the TV. Good punts. You do that with yeah. your fingers, wouldn't you? <laughs> hey, not bad. Not We're bad. not paying you enough here, Andy. Anyway, yeah, a nice little light twist for the Keys and Grey Corner this week. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll be back later in the week. Cheerio. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.